I'd like to thank the worship team for leading the congregation uh, to worship God and hence preparing us to listen to God as God speaks to us through His Word for today's sermon. Now, good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming to JICF. I hope that you're looking forward to be inspired and hence changed by God's Word. The most important thing is that we must be ready to be changed by God. Today's passage is taken from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 21. And as we continue with the study of the sermon series on the book of Ephesians, please allow me to read the passage from the English Standard Version. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 21. Verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in, uh, in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the Word of God. Let's pray as we prepare our hearts to listen to the sermon. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the sermon series we have had in the book of Ephesians. You have spoken to us through your word week after week and so we pray that you will once again lift up our eyes to see the magnificence and glory of Jesus Christ and also turn our eyes to examine ourselves and see if there are any areas where we are not living in a Christ-like manner. May the meditation of our hearts and the words from my mouth be pleasing to you as you lead and guide us through the sermon today. Thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of today's sermon is Be Imitators of God. And I break the passage up into three parts on how we can accomplish this. Firstly, from verse 1 to 7, to walk in love and not disobedience. We are to imitate God by walking in Christ-like love as beloved children and not as sons of disobedience. Secondly, from verse 8 to 14, to walk in the light and not darkness. And thirdly, verse 15 to 21, to walk in wisdom and not folly. We are to be imitators of God by carefully walking as wise people and not as unwise. 
Now, one point to note is that ESV uses the word walk in the passage, while NIV uses the word live, L-I-V-E. They're actually talking about the same thing, which means to walk refers to the manner how a person chooses to live his life. To walk refers to the manner how a person chooses to live his life. Chapter 5 starts with the word therefore, and it implies that imitating of God must come from what was mentioned earlier at the end of chapter 4, which mainly talks about forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Imitating God lies essentially on the attribute of God's love. This is why, quite immediately, Paul mentioned in chapter 5, verse 2, to walk in love. We observe how our Heavenly Father has loved us, and we do likewise as God's beloved children. Now, love is the motivation and reason for why we want to imitate God. Let me repeat this again. Love is the motivation and the reason why we should imitate God. But, okay, then we are children of God, therefore we imitate our Heavenly Father. But does it come naturally? Is it natural for a child to follow what his or her parents do? Now, I recall many years ago in 2010, my wife, Lynn, had to stay away from home. Um, had to be away, not stay away. I said it wrongly. My wife, Lynn, had to be away. This is oh, the greatest mistake I ever made. Yeah. Okay, my wife, Lynn, let me repeat myself, had to be away from home for two weeks. And I had to look after my six-year-old daughter, Althea, together with her five-year-old sister, Greta. No, things were not as bad as what you think, okay? Things were somewhat fine. And I had to dub up to take, up, take on the motherly role to get them ready for meals, bed, and school. Interestingly, I noticed that Althea started to be like the second mother to Greta in my wife's absence. She would tell her sister to clean up, get ready for school, nag at her sister to pack and tidy up her toys before bed. And the heartwarming thing is this. Althea would spend time reading together with her sister, Greta. Just like what her mother would do. <clears throat> then one evening, Althea looked at me at the dinner table and said, Daddy, if you continue to eat so much, you will get fat and it is not healthy for you. Now, these are the exact words that my wife would say to me. Then, at that moment, I realized that my elder daughter has become a representative of my wife. Althea has naturally imitated her mother, even without us telling her to do so. Now, children will naturally imitate their parents if they experience love from their parents. And in return, they love the parents, family and friends through imitation. There's no other way, right? For children. So children want to be like their parents when they respect them. This is why Paul reminded us that we are to follow God's example as beloved children. This is by right the natural response of a child of God as we are moved by God's grace in saving us instead of condemning us, in adopting us as His children and not making us His enemies. And we should naturally live like God's children by loving our Heavenly Father and becoming more and more like Him. Now, Mayer's New Testament commentary says this, and I quote, Now, to be God's beloved child and not to become like the loving Father, how contradictory were this? Isn't it true? How can a child of God, not wanting and desiring to become like his heavenly father? It is like we being happy to have eternal life through believing in Jesus Christ and to be called a Christian 
but do not want Christ in our life and do not want to be Christ-like. Does it make sense to us? Does it make sense to be a Christian and not Christ-like? Of course not. It doesn't make sense at all. So the main premise is clear, that we are God's children and so we are to imitate God. Then throughout the passage, Paul gives us insight into how exactly we are, we are to do this. Firstly, in verse 2, it says that we can imitate God by walking in love, just as Christ has loved us and given himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, sacrificial love is a mark of a true Christian who loves God and people. 1 John 3.16, it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in it, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? God wants us to imitate his sacrificial love. This can be shown in the way we put other people more important than ourselves. Believers in Christ should have concern for the needs of others. And we love not just people whom we know, but it even extends to strangers and stretches even as far as loving our enemies. Where do we learn this from? Just like Jesus Christ loves, Jesus Christ just loves, loves not just his disciples, but he loves those who met him only once, strangers, and even his enemies who persecuted and killed him. Therefore, we should imitate Jesus' sacrificial love. As Paul gives examples of what walking in love looks like, he also gave a glimpse of what it does not look like through a list of sinful actions in, con in contrast to how living in love ought to be. Now, verse 3 to 4 says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. There are three sinful behaviours in the list here. It is important to note that each of these sins focus on self-centred vices in conduct and speech, and in each of these sins, they are the opposite of what love should actually look like. So first in the list is to indulge in sexual immorality and impurity. Sexual immorality translates in the Greek word pornia, which specifically refers to sexual acts that are morally wrong. A lot of times in scripture, it points towards prostitution and adultery. But in our modern context, modern day context, it would also include pornography and what the Bible calls as licentiousness and promiscuity. It would really include any sexual act outside the normal marital sexuality. So for example, extramarital sexual intercourse, homosexuality, incest, premarital sex, and others. Paul, as long as is sex conducted outside marriage is considered as sexual immorality. So Paul also added the phrase and all impurity, which specifically implies all sexual immorality are considered sinful or impure. Next, to have covetousness in our life is the second sinful action also being mentioned in verse 3. Covetousness can also be translated as greediness or a form of selfishness. To cover over other people's property, wealth, or even spouse is definitely not a behaviour of sacrificial love. Instead, it is being self-centred. And Paul, even in verse 5, regarded a covetous person 
as bad as being an idolater, which does not love God, but love idols in his life. Next, filthiness and foolish talk and crude joking is the third sinful behaviour that is in contrary to living in love as a child of God. It is the wrong way we conduct ourselves in speech by engaging in filthy and foolish talk and crude joking. This points towards sins concerning our manner of speech. It also includes such as cursing or swearing or demeaning insults, which is so common nowadays. And some, it also includes what we sometimes refer as dirty jokes or things that you, you would not talk about in front of your children or grandmother. Paul says that all these types of filthiness, foolish talk and crude joking are out of place amongst believers, which means that for us to partake in this type of speech as a body of believers should be unheard of. Now, before I became a born-again Christian, I was notoriously known to use vulgarities. Can't tell, right? Especially I'm an educator. Somewhat, it was a popular thing to do then when someone used, not only then, even now, yeah? Somewhat, it was a popular thing to do when someone used bad words as adjectives to emphasize his point and earn respect for being vulgarly assertive and profoundly cool. Have I described it correctly? Now, this is the charisma in a person who knows how to use vulgarities as an art to express himself. And I was one of them. And mind you, I attracted many friends and followers. Now, to add on, I participated in sharing dirty jokes. And I made some of these dirty jokes myself. And they were being shared by my friends. But after I became a born-again Christian, now I felt ashamed of those vulgar words and jokes. I was convicted by the Holy Spirit that vulgarities do not honour God, nor did it build anyone up. Those are shameful words that are not meant to be even mentioned. So overnight, I changed completely and did not use any vulgarities. It was overnight. Even my friends were wondering what had taken over me. And I spoke differently from my usual. Whenever I was tempted to use vulgarity, I would stop, pause, and think of another adjective to replace it. So I just told them that God has changed me. And I felt disgusted by my old life and really want to be clean. I heard someone ever ask, what is the difference in reaction between a pig and a human being when they fall into mud? M-U-D, mud. Do you know what's the difference between a pig and a human being in the mud? The pig will continue to stay and enjoy playing in the filthy mud. Right? But a living human being yeah, it should be every human being, yeah, will straight away stand up and try to get out of the mess and clean up himself. So we should not be enjoying the filthy life of sins, but should be disgusted by it and want to get out of the mess quickly. Now, according to verse 4, we instead are to replace filthiness, foolish talk, and crude joking with thanksgiving. In Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So to imitate God is to give thanks in everything, as Paul makes it clear that it is God's will for us to give thanks. Now, to emphasize how serious 
these sinful behaviours can affect us, Paul in verse 5 to 7 sternly warned us, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Those who stubbornly and actively practice sinful activities such as sexual immorality, impurity or covetousness have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, to be clear, this is not speaking of someone who believed in Jesus Christ and has repented from such sins. This is speaking of those who practice sexual immorality, impurity or covetousness with no remorse or guilt. They deliberately plan and habitually commit these sins without any intention to repent. These people will not be saved because they elevated themselves and their sinful appetite as idols in place of God. They did not receive the Holy Spirit who would have convicted them of their sin and working within them and helping them to repent. So they choose to continue in their sins. No wonder they will not inherit the kingdom of Christ and God. Paul then, fully wa- Paul then further warns us in verse 6 that there are people who attempt to persuade us to live in such sins. Do not let them deceive you with empty words. And we know of, we know of people at work or in school, right? Influencers in social media, friends or perhaps relatives who do not obey God, they will reason with us that we have to be open to ideas and be inclusive. And hence they trivialize, you know, sexual immorality and impurity. Now, there is this common saying that goes like this. If something feels so good, how can it be so wrong? Have you all heard of it? Okay, let me repeat it again. If something feels so good, how can it be so wrong? Many people use this saying to persuade others to believe that sex outside marriage is harmless, acceptable and good. Also, we may be persuaded by successful individuals in this world to think that covetousness is not wrong. Because they are successful, they are in a position to persuade us how to be successful, right? So they will define and say that covetousness is not wrong because they define it as being ambitious and smart to trick people and take over their property, their wealth and even their spouse. They use vain and empty words to deceive us not to think like Christ, to deceive us not to love like Christ and to deceive us not to repent. Hence, derail us from imitating God. Now, what these people are doing day in and day out is to persuade people like us not to imitate God, instead to imitate them in their sinful ways. Now, think together with me. We are created to imitate. Am I right? Because God created human beings in His image. So we either imitate God or we imitate wicked people who try to deceive us. So choose who you want to imitate. It's either we imitate God or we imitate the world. Anyone who attempts to persuade you to return to sinful behaviour should not only be ignored but also rejected. Because in verse 6, it says that God's wrath comes upon all who deliberately disobey. And in verse 7, we are told not to even become partners with such 
people. So let us take this warning seriously. So in my first point of imitating God, Paul tells us to walk in love by following Jesus' sacrificial love as an example. And then he specifies several examples of what it means to not walk in love. He then warns us not to participate with people who try to deceive us into walking in their sinful desires. After this, Paul moves on to talk about walking in the light. The second of the, the three ways that a believer imitates God is by walking in light and not in darkness, as seen in verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try, please take note of the word try, T-R-Y, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Paul reminds us the difference between the old life in sins and the new life in Christ Jesus. We are no longer darkness, but now light in the Lord. Now, another passage to support this is from 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to 7, and it says, This is a message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light, as He is the, in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So John and Paul are saying that because God is light and we claim to follow God, we are to walk as children of light. This is what it means to imitate God, to walk as children of light. So the question that you may have is, so how, what does it mean to walk in the light? How does it look like? So Paul, in verse 9, helped us to understand and know the evidence of walking in the light by describing the fruit of light, which is found in all that is good and right and true. In other words, what Paul is saying is that those who are truly children of light would live in goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, these attributes, which by the way, sound a lot like the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, that says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you have noticed, these same attributes describe God Himself, which makes complete sense then that we should share in the same attributes of God in the way we live our life if we are to imitate God. Now, after this, in verse 10, God, uh, sorry, Paul encourages us to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Paul used the word try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, this phrase reflects the need of discernment in order to please God. And of course, it's connected to the previous phrase which tells us that living in goodness Righteousness and truth is definitely pleasing to the Lord. But why did Paul use the word try, T-R-Y? Now the phrase try to discern may also tell us that not everything that the world considers good, righteous and truth are actually pleasing to the Lord. We must make an effort, that's why he used the word try, to discern. We have to be careful and make an effort to discern. We need to determine people's advice in the eyes of the Lord by checking them with God's Word. Now, there are phrases even used by Christians that sounded like godly wisdom. For example, God helps those who help themselves. 
Is it true? Is it from the Bible? Another example. Give to God and He will bless and return by many foes to you. Think again. We have to discern whether is this true? Is it according to the Bible? Another example. Once saved, always saved. Hmm. Debatable, right? Okay, we have to check with the scripture. And this one. God won't give you more than you can handle. Now think about it. If you were not given more than you can handle, then there will be no need for faith. So we have to try, we have to make an effort to discern all these phrases or advice. Is it true? And is it biblical? Therefore, we need to test and check with the Bible and check with godly people who studied the Bible just in case you misinterpret the Bible so that we can discern if some advice and teachings are indeed approved by God. No wonder Paul says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Paul then tells Ephesians in verse 11 to 14 to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. But it is shameful, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now the idea here is that the sinful deeds done in darkness are shameful to even be mentioned, and they do not want to be found out by others. Here Paul refers to sins that are done in secret, so that others cannot see and cannot catch them in the act. Such shameful deeds hope to remain in the dark and not exposed. They do not welcome any illumination of light. I ask you a question, not because it's the Halloween week, yeah? But I ask you a question. Will you dare to walk into a dark, abandoned house in your neighbourhood at night all alone? without a torchlight. Now, even for your own storeroom at home, which you do not frequent, would you walk into it at night without switching on the light? Now, I remember once I needed to enter my storeroom to fetch my long ladder to change my ceiling lights. And I hardly do it. That means I hardly go to the room because my ceiling lights don't just, you know, blow out so um, frequently. Now, when I switch on the storeroom lights, immediately, all kinds of insects, reptiles and pests scramble away from the light. You know, I saw um, cockroaches, lizards, and even a frog and a small rodent. They felt exposed and ran for their life, away from the light and hide somewhere else in the dark. So I was, the thing is that I was not afraid of the light. In fact, I welcomed the light so that I can see clearly and get things done effectively. Now, we as believers of Jesus Christ, we are not creatures of the dark. When we are in the light of God, we are not afraid. We welcome, in fact, the idea of walking in the light so that our own sins can be exposed so that we know what we should repent from and not be enslaved in guilt and shame. Now, to stretch it even further, hopefully the rubber band will not snap. Yeah? So to stretch it even further, in verse 11 and 12, Paul seems to suggest that believers ought to expose Okay, it's tough, yeah? To expose the sinful behaviours of those around them, which may not, which may, why? Why to expose the sinful behaviours of those around them, which may then, hopefully, lead them to repentance from their own sin? 
Now, is it to be done by telling these people directly? Were you there to do it? The prophet Nathan directly told King David of his sins out of love. So there are times we can actually, you know, tell directly, uh, especially to our loved ones and brothers and sisters in Christ. However, I feel you, okay? I understand that it is difficult. You know, sometimes I find it difficult and abrupt, especially to tell someone who are not close to me about their sinful behavior. Now, I ask you, will you today, after this service, after listening to all this, go to your next door neighbor yeah, and tell them that they are ungodly? How about your boss? Will you tell tomorrow, Monday, go back to work? Will you tell your boss that to, uh, and tell your boss to repent from his addictive sins? Will you dare to do it? And are you supposed to do it? No, definitely I will not, okay? Because I find it difficult and abrupt to do it. Unless the Holy Spirit convict me and, and I have to do it, then I'll do it. But most likely I will not go to my next door neighbor or my boss to tell them to repent. Interestingly, Paul may have suggested another approach to tell others about their sinful ways. He explained that children of light should live counterculturally or live in such a way different from the world so that the manner Christians live their life will then expose the sins of other people. We see this in verse 14, where he quoted the phrase, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, I discovered that this phrase, which Paul quoted in verse 14, is not exactly a quotation from the Old Testament or any part of the Scripture. Bible scholars believe that this is a quote from an early first century hymn that was sung in the, by the early church. Now, regardless of where the quotation comes from, the idea is what I said earlier. That the believers seek to be like Jesus Christ. And Jesus, as the light of the world, begins to reflect through the life of the believer. Then those who live in darkness around the believer can see the difference in the believer's life. And that difference should draw them to repent from their own sin. Now, continuing with my earlier testimony of how I stopped using vulgarities because I felt disgusted by my filthy old life and wanted to live my life right before God after I was born again. There was one more thing that I did. Now, I threw away all the dirty magazines and pornographic video cassette tapes that I had. Now, do the young people know what video cassette tapes are? Let me show you. Okay, you can see it on the screen. Now, video cassette tape, you have to put this in a video play cassette player in order to play a video or a movie on the TV which the video player is connected to. Is it strange? Does it sound strange to the young people? <laughs> In fact, you know, it may sound strange to the young people who are watching Netflix or YouTube, right? Yeah. So this, this is how it works in the past. But anyway, okay. I felt so disgusted with myself, all right, for watching pornography. And I felt sad that I've grieved my loving Savior. And I knew for sure in order not to grieve God further, I had to destroy such idols. I was so determined and convicted and um, so sad that I was feeling so sad that I even took a huge scissors. Actually, I no need to take a huge one, but I took a huge one. I can still remember how big it is. Yeah, To cut the tapes into pieces. I even cut... I tried to cut the, 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 the cover of the videotape. Um, why do I do it? Why do I cut it into pieces? 
to show my, my determination and my disgust. And also that other people who happen to collect them from the trash bin cannot watch them at all. Now, my friends found out about what I did. It's not because I told them. It's because they tried to borrow <laughs> or give some of those, you know, pornographic videos, cassette tapes to me. But I refused. I say no, no more. This is the end. So they sensed the difference in me. Although I did not judge or condemn them, I did not go to them and say, you're wrong, you should also throw away the video cassette tape. So I did not judge or condemn them, but they see the difference in my life. Soon some of them saw the good in my new lifestyle and started talking to me to find out what has overtaken me. And I explained to them, and some of them are Christians actually. I took the opportunity to share what it means to be born again. Now a few of them repented. All glory goes to God. So you see, people in darkness must see the difference in us. God can use us as children of light to show to the world how wrong they have been and welcome them to join us in the light together with God. So to imitate God is firstly to walk in love like Jesus walked in love and gave himself to us. To imitate God is secondly to walk in the light for our own repentance and also to reflect the same light in the way we live our life so that non-Christians and nominal Christians can see the truth through us and repent from their sins. Now the third way to imitate God is to walk in wisdom, not in folly. In verse 15 to 17, it reads, Look Carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be careful in how you live your life, to walk in wisdom rather than folly. As Paul gives this final of the three ways of imitating God, he interspersed some other statements into the instruction as well. Making the best use of time. And therefore, and also one more is, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. These are two important ideas of what it means to walk in wisdom. That is to walk, that is to make the best use of time and to understand the will of God. I'm not sure whether is it still the trend, but people commonly use the word YOLO. Are you familiar with that? Y-O-L-O. -O? Wow. I thought only young people would know. But I saw... <clears throat> anyway, so YOLO is you only live once. Y-O-L-O, -O, YOLO. Now, why did they say that? They say this is to tell other people to do something that they should not be doing. So do it anyway, because you only live once. YOLO. But instead, we should consider YODO. Not BODO, yeah, but YODO. Y-O-D-O. -O. You only die once. So choose whether you want to die in regrets or die at peace with God. We all know that people save money, right? We all save money, right? Because we do not want to regret then when we get old and we cannot work anymore and we need to use our savings, right? That's why we save. Now, what about students? Now, students prepare for exams way in advance so that when the day of exams arrived, they will not regret for not studying and failing the exams. Sportsmen. Sportsmen train very hard daily so that when the actual competition happens, the sportsmen are fit and strong and ready and will not, regret for not, for, will not regret for failing their team, school or country. So be wise to make the best use of time and live your life to the maximum for God so that you will not have regrets. 
Now, the mindset of some people is on maximizing sins in their life because they can only do it in this lifetime. But this is foolish and unwise. Instead, believers should live realizing that life is indeed short. Since it's short, we should utilize it for good. And then, this is being wise. Now, anyway, all of us have to face judgment after we die. So live our life wisely, not in sins, but in doing God's will, so that we can hear God saying, good and faithful servant. In fact, in fact, this will be the best compliment that I will look forward to when I meet God. And I believe it will be the same for all of us here. Yeah, do not live our life in regrets, but live it wisely so that one day we can hear God saying, good and faithful servant to us. Now, next, Paul explains that walking in wisdom also includes <clears throat> understanding what the will of the Lord is. So the question is this, how do we understand what the will of the Lord is? The straightforward answer is by reading the Bible and then praying for the Holy Spirit who lives in you to lead and show you the will of God. This is not from me, but it is from the passage. That is why quite immediately, yeah, quite immediately in the subsequent verse, Paul's Sorry for this. Just let me check. Yeah. Yes, correct. That is why quite immediately in the subsequent verse, Paul tells us not to get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. This means that we are to make a conscious effort daily to be led by the Holy Spirit. The word is daily. Sometimes we will only pray to God or ask for the Holy Spirit to reveal the will of God when we are seeking for job of our university. Or sometimes we only go to God to ask the Spirit to lead us when we are in trouble and need God to help us. But even during good times, we are to make a conscious effort daily to be led by the Holy Spirit. Only then we will know what the will of God is. Now, there are many things that the Holy Spirit will lead us to do according to God's will. And Paul in Ephesians 5 specifically named three of them. Firstly, according to verse 19, those who are filled with the Spirit will address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, will sing and make melody in their hearts unto God, which simply means that those who are filled with the Spirit will be unified as they praise God together. This is in line to what we have learned in the earlier sermons about unity. Those who are filled with the Spirit will be unified as they praise God together. Secondly, in verse 20, it says that those who are filled with the Spirit will give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This thanksgiving is clearly meant to be an always occurring thankfulness, not based on circumstances. So in good and bad times, we are supposed to be thankful. Thirdly, those who are filled with the Spirit will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, those who are filled with the Spirit are concerned about what God wants. And hence, they are not concerned about their personal gain, ambition or glory. So they are willing to humble themselves and submit to others. In conclusion, all right, the overarching idea is something that we should take home with. The overarching idea that Paul is driving home today is this. Okay, this is our takeaway. Because you are a believer, imitate God. There is no other way to explain yourself out from this. Then here comes things, the, the overarching idea. If you are not imitating Christ, 
then you are not a Christian. If you are not imitating God, then you are not a child of God. And in each of the three sections that we have studied, that gives us examples of how we are to imitate God. Firstly, is to imitate God by walking in love, not disobedience. Secondly, is to imitate God by walking in the light and not darkness. And thirdly, to imitate God by walking in wisdom and not folly. And we can ask the following question reflectively to help us apply what we have learned today. The first question that you would like to ask yourself is how have you been seeking to do what's pleasing to God and not your old sinful behaviour? Are there sins that you have to repent from? The second question is, how have you lived your life that makes unbeliever and nominal Christians want to experience the same light that leads them to repent? And thirdly, how have you lived your life wisely in redeeming time and being filled and led by the Holy Spirit. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are to imitate God by walking in love, walking in the light, and walking in wisdom. The important question that we, are, we should ask ourselves today is this. Are we doing all these three things? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, please convict us by the works of your Holy Spirit of our sins and please change us. Help us not grieve you any further. Help us to desire to live in a Christ-like way, to love like Christ loved and to walk like Christ walked and to imitate you, God. Because we want to honour you and glorify you in everything we do. And so we pray that this will be a time of change by the power of your Holy Spirit, a time of repentance and a time of worship in our hearts after now that we have listened to your word. We thank you for speaking to us and we continue to trust in you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.